Welcome back to another episode of Who's on the Lord's Side. Now, a few episodes ago, I spoke to you all about the first Adam, the first man, the ideal man, especially before the fall. And I did that episode, I said, in order to build up who I would be talking about next, which is the Messiah or the last Adam, um, also referred to as final Adam or the ultimate Adam other titles is like second Adam or new Adam. And all these titles are given to the Messiah in the New Testament, or they're all interchangeable, but they come in or is specifically mentioned in the New Testament. So twice in the New Testament, the comparison is made between the Messiah, Jesus Christ, Yeshua, whatever it is you refer to him as, and Adam. And the first time that he is mentioned, uh, or I say one of the times, I wouldn't say the first time, it would be Romans, in uh, Romans chapter 5, specifically verses 12 through 21, all is about him, but focusing in on verse 19, this is Romans, Romans chapter 5, verse 19, it says, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Um, obviously, that's meant to, be, to understand that the one man's disobedience would be Adam's disobedience. Okay, It's amazing how a woman ate first, but still it's placed on man as he was the father of creation and also the um, first human okay to be created so it, it really falls on his head more than does the woman although we do know the story and then of course it's mentioned again in first corinthians chapter 15 verse 22 where it says for as in adam all die even so in christ shall all be made alive okay so christ's obedience at the end of the day um what happened on the cross when he conquered death when he walked literally in man's shoes and was tempted in every single way that man had um, is tempted, everything from murder, this, that, and, and, and everything you could possibly think of, he was tested and tried and he did not sin. He was, no sin was found in him. Okay. It was very important that no sin was found in him. For if sin was found in him, then that would just, um, well, the, the devil would come, would have won technically because now we still don't have a, a savior. Mankind does not have a savior. Certainly Adam fell, then what you would call second, especially if he was the last Adam and he fell, forget about it. <laughs> okay. So it would make sense that the bridge back or the second Adam, last Adam, and ultimate Adam would have to be the one who would be the perfect law keeper, one who has to, and you know what's crazy about it is Adam had one law. First, Adam had one law not to break, just do not touch from the tree or eat from the tree, I should say, of the knowledge of uh, good and evil. Don't eat from the tree of knowledge. One command. We have way more commands. Now, you're just talking about the Ten Commandments, let alone if you go buy unclean and clean foods, which, again, very simple. If you break it down, they have whole charts for you. It's really not that hard. Ten Commandments, like I said in the previous episode, so simple. could be summed into two. Love God first with all your heart and soul to treat others the way that you would want to be treated. Boom. You're good. Okay? But Christ's obedience more than made good for the harm caused by Adam by bringing righteousness and abundance of grace. Okay, this is why second and last Adam is so important, especially when you're talking about for mankind, not just for me, not just for you, not just for uh, um, the righteous, but all of mankind. Yes, the nation of Israel, but remember, through the nations of Israel, through the nation of Israel, other nations were to be blessed as well. Okay, that's where you get the Gentiles be able to come on. And, and, and get the good news, get the salvation of the good news. Now, <clears throat> the problem with both last, first Adam and last Adam, in my opinion, is this. Mankind. Mankind doesn't seem to understand where to put them at, okay? And if you want to talk about the gist of societal thought about it, yeah, sure, you have believers who understand, you know. You have believers who claim they understand or whatever. They know the story, so they understand the story, okay? God has a son, uh, John 3, um, 3, 16, <laughs> you know, whosoever believeth in him shall have everlasting life. I believe in him, so I have everlasting life, whether that's the basic concept or not. And you have people that just know uh, the truth, 
But then you have people in mankind, society, the human race from all generations of the earth that mock both, that mock both through and through. Sure, on the believing side, we say, well, first Adam, what was, like, dang, man, you couldn't just, you had to listen to her. You know, we, we, we debate when we think about life and we think about uh, just one command, you know, we, sure, it's, it's not mocking, but it's just kind of like, oh, man, because of Adam. <laughs> we don't have to say it every day. But if you want to go back to the story of the garden, then we have to remember, don't we? <laughs> we have to say, dang it, Adam. But um, my point is, at the end of the day, um, with uh, the first is mocked, and then you have the Messiah who's mocked, not on our side as believers, but I mean, I, I was, there was a time where I used to watch Family Guy, and I had to literally stop watching Family Guy because I felt like if it wasn't every episode, it was like every other episode was a jab at God. If it's not a mockery about God, it's a mockery about the Messiah. Sure, they talk about Jews as well. I'm not saying that they never have, and I'm not saying that they don't talk about a lot of. They push the envelope. Let's just they just push the envelope. I'm not can imagine what they're doing to say it now. Okay, very controversial. But it got to the point when I was becoming a believer. I'm like, this is this isn't funny. You know, like it's not it's not funny. And I was like, and I'm a believer, and to laugh at it doesn't even feel right. Even if it's if it seemed like it's funnier, it doesn't even feel right. So I had to start cutting off some things that just blatantly, in your face, boldly, like, blaspheme God. I think that that is funny. Not surprised, though, especially in the industry, especially to push certain things, that they would do certain things like that. But the same way uh, the Jews have the way that they say, oh, you know, anti-Semitic, who's anti-Semitic? Sit them down, uh, Nick Cannon. Which I don't care. No, uh, a little off topic, but still on topic with the anti-Semitism. Um, Nick Cannon was a household name. If you want to talk about the African-American community, stand-up guy, uh, not saying that there's anything wrong with having children, especially if you can afford to take care of them, but I think we all know that this is overkill. I'm very, very surprised, yet not surprised, that this is the Nick, new Nick Cannon that emerged after the anti-Semitism crack, where they sat him down for a long time. His career was about to be in ruins, and then when he came back, he apologized and just hit the ground running, just shooting seed everywhere. Yes, the Lord said be fruitful and multiply, but he almost becoming a laughing stock now. You know what I mean? Based on what? You know, when did you become this guy? By the time you got married, by the time you had kids, you was married. And I'm not judging anybody who had kids out of wedlock. Like, I'm just saying what happened to the man. You know, is this initiation? Because, you know, they have initiation. Is this, is this now? Because so you could be a laughing stock a little in my community and abroad. Sad now. It's getting sad. I think today just dropped baby number two. What are you doing? And then they all ran around. It's just saying. The other thing I want to say about anti-Semitism, getting back in touch, we got Kanye now. We're going to see how that works out. If he apologizes and what new yay, like we can afford, like we can afford for him to, to, to transform into a different type of Kanye for crying out loud. That's drastic. I mean, like way more drastic than this. I just, we'll see. But amazingly enough, right, if the Messiah is uh, for literally from the line of Shem. As soon as anybody talks about the Messiah, somebody should raise their hand. We as Christians should be able, oh, I'm not Christians, believers, I'm not a Christian. I am a believer. I take away uh, myself from any denomination or religion because I feel the separate or divides and I don't judge anybody that is still attributed to one. But I just um, basically saying, why doesn't anyone of, of a religious leadership of power like the Pope or... Uh, someone of that nature sit them down. The Pope understands because supposedly he understands that the Messiah was the Messiah was born virgin, supposedly, right? And so does the Christian church and the Catholic church, but supposedly all headed by Rome. So the same way these Zionist uh, Jews of the day who have been infiltrated, I think we all know that it's not by bloodline so much as they've been put there for a reason. Satan has put them there for a reason. Um, the same way... Uh, the same way they can cry anti-Semitism because of the faith in the line of Shem is the same way that we should have all rights to claim anti-Semitism and have the power to shut people down as well, okay? And it's funny. No, it's not even funny because we know why they do it. These are modern-day infiltrated Zionist Jews that are not of the bloodline of the people of the book, okay? These people do it because they are still... Uh, leaving the door open so they can infiltrate or point to the one that they will say is the Messiah with the help of the other 
uh, leaders or religious leaders of the world once they get this united one world religion thing together because now they're trying to do um the, the I think I told you in previous episodes that they're all meeting and trying to do this thing where they're using love thy neighbor as a guys especially under Christianity to start getting to understand other religions and to incorporate I don't know a little bit of everything into one to create one major religion okay but why is it that the Vatican doesn't have that power? Now, yes, I know that Judaism and Judaism, they have not picked out Messiah. They don't have him. They have not. They might say Elijah is to come. I could be wrong when I'm translating the name of the prophet or whoever there is to come. But they never accepted the, um, Jesus. That's the Jews of this day. They don't. They don't. They do not accept it. And when they set up this religion of as Judaism, whoever it is that set it up, I'm not saying that there was not um, Jews of the day. I'm saying modern day Judaism. The same way their Mormonism was set up by people up top from the 1%, the elite, yes. The same way uh, Catholicism, Christianity, all of that had been infiltrated with paganism and people from the time. is the same way Judaism have leaders on top that tell these people, modern day Jews, what to think. So no, that was not the Messiah. Don't listen to them. We're still waiting. It was just crazy because when the, when the Antichrist come on the scene, they're going to point to him. It's the same way they have control over uh of over um Jerusalem now. They have control over Jerusalem now because they're going to have the power to make the person sit there, the person that they want the leader to sit there, that they're going to put the uh, spirit or the spirit of the dragon is going to go into in order to, to make prophecy come to pass. Let me get back to this, though. So Christ's obedience... Um, more than made good for the harm caused by Adam because it brought forth righteousness and abundance of grace. So what the last Adam, ultimate Adam, becomes is a life-given spirit. Okay, the last Adam basically rose from the dead or conquered death, conquered death like I like to say. And in the last days when he comes, will transform us through resurrection into a heavenly spiritual existence. But it'll be right here on earth. Okay, we are going to get transformed through the resurrection all the messiah did when he came down here was show exactly what's going to happen the the blind will see the, the deaf will hear the lame will walk um devils will be cast out of people the the dead will rise you know what i'm saying everything was just everything coming to pass just in motion i guess you could say and so first corinthians chapter 15 verse 47 says the first man is of the earth earthy it literally says earthy the second man is the Lord from heaven. Can't no earthly man. This is why, you see, when are talking about the last Adam, ultimate Adam, whatever you want to call him, second Adam. Mankind always fascinated with the idea or the concept of this one. You have Wakanda coming back now. You have Wakanda forever. You have Black Panther. But Black Panther symbolizes, I guess, the one. There's always, there's always the one or somebody who's destined. I don't care what it is. You could pick any kind of genre, even in the Lord of the Rings. There's always one person who, whether they was ready for the battle of the fight, is supposed to be one that's going to save the race, save the world, save mankind, or save their kingdom, or save somebody, right? Mankind literally has a savior, whether people know it or not. The crazy thing about it is why it's important for you to understand who he is or who the savior is at all. What, what do people believe? You see, now, now I'm not talking to the believers. I'm talking to people who don't believe or people are still wondering, what is it all that people believe about their self or life is there are some people that do believe that maybe you just born and you're existing and you just die but there has to be more than that even einstein said energy energy is constant it's always going to be it doesn't necessarily die like it could trans trans like uh take different shape or something else but it can't necessarily die which means obviously we already know we are spiritual we are spiritual um beings having a human experience literally without the soul or the spirit in this body we cannot have this earthly experience it's the same way without me putting on some kind of a scuba gear or breathing oxygen blah 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 because i don't go in the water child that's not my world i stay right here on the land whatever little snorkeling gear you need to be able to literally survive in that environment that you're naturally not meant to survive in that's what it is because as soon as the soul check out from the body, that's a shell. That ain't nothing but a shell. That person ain't there no more. When we go into the homecoming service and all, that's a shell. But where did the inner part go? Do people really just believe that there was that just that's it? That that intelligence, that conscious was just that's just gone. 
you know? And the thing about it, too, what kills me is the love of the world, the way that people just love this world and want to hold on to it so badly. Is the, is this world everything about it? I don't care if your life fancy and all your bills are paid and you don't, I don't know what it is that makes everybody feel so happy. You done reached your, your nirvana and, you, you know, you you doing your keto and all of that. Uh, whatever, okay? <laughs> you mean the time when you turn on your news every day? This is the world. You can't even move off this world to go to. You, this is this is where you at. You mean tell me this is what you think is ideal? I just want to wonder, like, they don't want anything better. They don't believe that there's a better plan for mankind. They believe that this is just it. I don't know, but we keep going. And see, Satan and the one third have no bridge back. And that's why the, the sense of rush and the sense of hostility against mankind, too, not only the hatred of it all. But could you imagine already, like I painted you in the previous episode, a few episodes ago, about Adam, how much he hated Adam. Not only he, but angels just was like, no, mm-mm, dust from the ground, dust from the ground. We're not even gonna. You know, then it got to the point where he made a bet with God, said, I know more than him. They went down to the garden. He lost the bet. He said, if I lose the bet, then I'll give adoration to the image of God, which was Adam. And um, um, it, I understand that the earth is Adam, the garden is Adam's, and that's it. Like, there's nothing else more to say. He did not do that. He had a fit and got cast down. So we know that, um, you know, he got cast down there. When he got cast down, the first thing he did out of hatred was cast man down and cause man to fall. But there was a redemption plan for man. There was no redemption plan. There is no redemption plan for uh, Satan and his third. Okay, it is what it is. There is no, and then after that, if you do this and this and behave and all this, and then you can get your angelic wings back and you can be a cherubim again. So that's the other thing to understand is just how much he is stuck in a place and hates you more. The hate you the more that you are going to go back to the Shekinah or be around the Shekinah, something he can't even be around anymore. Does, does, does the devil still talk to God in the sense of, uh, it says in Job, yeah, that uh, one day God saw the devil walking and said, what you doing? And the devil said, well, I was walking uh, to and fro, uh, the, uh, back and forth in the earth, looking to see who I can devour. And then he said, are you considering my servant Job? So there's times where the adversary, but as far as being up in the highest heavenly realms where he was before in that first triad, in the, the ranking of the cherubim, with the four faces, in the presence of God, and the Messiah himself, day and night, saying glory, 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 and holy, holy, holy. He can never get that back. Okay, even after the judgment and uh, an eternal lake of fire, still going to be some other kind of thing and thing. He's just like a tool now, you know, that does just, just there, especially after that. So, yeah, he they don't have no bridge back. So, um, first Adam, first Adam was the firstborn or first created of man. Okay, firstborn man. But not really born, but of you talking about of creation of man, the first, okay? But then you have second Adam, even our last Adam, who was still born before Adam or created before Adam in the sense of being prior, prior to and supreme over all creation. Because we know that all things that was created was not created without or uh, the Messiah or without the Messiah's presence, including Lucifer, the angels, everything. The universe, he is the glue that literally holds everything together. Okay. So he, through whom the universe was created, he, through whom the universe was created, is the same Christ or Messiah who formed the church. And when I say the church, I'm talking about the spiritual church by conquering death. So basically when he did that, he's been, um, that makes him now both active and primary source in both creation and redemption. So not only did he recreate, but he redeemed. You see, so from the beginning to the end, like I said, Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, he is. I'm going to take a quick break, and then I'm going to come back to, um, I think I'm going to go straight into John 15. I think I'm going to go to John 15. If we're not going to go to John 15. No, before John 15, I think I have a little bit more I'm going to say. I'll see you all after the break. Okay. Back from break. So now I wanted to talk about um, one of the things that separate man also from the Messiah. Again, very controversial, the most controversial human being 
in the history of mankind is Jesus Christ, Yeshua, the Messiah, the Christ. They already know he lived. They already know he existed. They just trying to figure out those who have not made up their minds and everybody from all generations of the earth before the the trumpet sound at all four corners of the earth will have had to have made this decision, including the generation that will be living at the time when the Messiah comes back for the second time, crack the sky for the final day, the Lord's day that will lead into the final judgment. Okay. So the question that lies that is very important for man's side is was he a demigod? Was he half man, half deity? Was he human being operating under the spirit of God? Was the spirit, was the Holy Spirit abiding in him? Was he operating through the spirit? Or was he just a mortal man who was just deified? And not only deified, but deified after uh, gods that lived before him, like Egyptian, uh, uh, not Nimrod, excuse me, um, Osiris and Isis and all of these other legends that have the December 25th lower, um, um, pagan attributes assigned to them. They also assigned to the Messiah. Okay. And when people don't believe in the virgin birth, they automatically go wrong. As a matter of fact, it's, it is one of the most dangerous sins that man could commit. It is called the eternal sin. Now I know this. Uh, when people like to judge, we all should not be taking one another's inventory because we all fall short of the glory of God. But I do know one thing. Everybody going to decide or pick for themselves what they feel is the most abominable sin uh, just off the fact that it's in the book. So whether, let, let's be honest, they attack the uh, LGBTQ community. I don't. I don't. I don't judge any. I don't judge anybody. I don't like to judge and I don't know anybody's story. But I also know that that's not the worst sin that one can commit, okay? Adultery is a terrible sin. It's not the worst sin. You know, um, harming a child is a terrible sin. Lord Messiah said, if you touch a child, you harm a child, better for you just, what do he say? I guess he said, uh, tie some boulders around your neck and just toss yourself off a cliff and, and put yourself into, a, into the sea. It would be better that you was never born. You know, by the time I get to you, you know, and handle you, there's a lot of terrible things. There's a lot of terrible sins. There's a lot of monstrous people out here. Just watch ID, 48 hours, turn on the news. Every time you turn around, the spirit of the devil is just manifesting in people. I can tell you if the drugs are opening people up between this fentanyl and all these other stuff, but the devil is running busy and the devil is busy in a lot of households and he have a war against children. I don't know if everybody noticed that, but back to what is the worst sin? You could pick anyone, but the Messiah was very clear out of his own mouth when he came. What is the sin, the one sin that can't be forgiven? As a matter of fact, the Messiah was very clear. All manner of sin can and will be forgiven of man, except for one. So we're going to talk about that now. <clears throat> I'm going to Matthew. Matthew chapter 12, verse 30. Matthew chapter 12, verse 30. We're going to get into this stuff too. It's not, I can't do everything on today, but we're going to definitely get into stuff. All right, Matthew 12, verse 30. This is the Messiah talking. He says, he that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. But the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world and neither in the world to come. Okay? Now, that is very clear. It don't get any more clear than that. So, again, all sin is serious. All sin is serious. And to some degree, some of it uh, attacks the character and uh, the, your spirit, but also the authority of God. But um, if we're talking about what he says is the major sin, it would be blasphemy against the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. Okay. He even says here in verse 32, 
And whosoever speaketh a word against the son of man, talk, me, when you talk about me, you talk about me. Like I said, they talked about him all day long on, on, on the, well, the one show I was talking about. There's many, but family guy, okay? Talking about me, that could be forgiven. But the denying the Holy Ghost, blasphemy against the Holy Ghost, especially denying the power of God's power, God's presence force, living force moving through this earth, especially the fact that that would be the same a force that was in him, the, the same force that impregnated the Virgin Mary. You would have to put a lot of faith into this Holy Ghost to put this entire thing together to make it stick. Without the Holy Ghost, you ain't got it. Because you see how they say, some people want to argue, they say there's no trinity because there's like three people. It's not three people. What you have is God is a spirit. And then you have his reflection in the image of man in the Messiah or what I would call an avatar. Or like I said one time to you all, and if you really want to get an understanding, is if I create a video game. This is my video game. This is my world. You know, same thing. My world, my characters, my people, my villages. I set up everything. And then I create an avatar to put myself in the game to move around and do things sure it's it's i am me controlling the controller i am me but also who is me or moving to the left and when i say when i'm going to the left it's going to the left when it's going to the right it's going to the right and it's moving like how i want to move in my perfect world in my perfect game with my perfect avatar that's what the messiah would be and then the holy spirit that third very important thing would be the force that runs down through the through god the spirit in the highest heavens, in the highest realms, down through the angels, down to us, and even through the Messiah on that time. Because that's like denying that God don't have no power at all. And then what is God then? So you deny. So now what I wanted to go on and say that about is because I want to now talk about the virgin birth. That's a big problem for people. The virgin birth is a very big problem. So one of the historic fundamentals of faith, again, is the virgin birth of Christ. Because it begins with the supernatural conception of the Messiah in the womb of Mary without the seed of man. Again, without the seed of man. That's not something that man can fathom. Okay, you faith is deep, especially when you're going uh, to to uh, God and you're trying to know him and you want to believe on him, especially on the Messiah. Do you believe? And without faith, it, faith, it is impossible to please him. A lot of people have a hard time believing that a virgin could conceive a child uh, from a spirit or some essence that just came from God. And then that child that would come forth would be supernatural demigod walking through the earth and the savior of mankind. What they would rather believe or what is logical and reasonable for a lot of people to believe, especially the uh, Islamic faith, is that that was Joseph's child, okay? And he was a prophet. That's not saying that he was not from the line of Abraham, he was not Semitic and all of this, you know, nobody's saying all of that. But as far as saying that he was a Messiah, no, he was a regular man who was just um, <clears throat> righteous through and through and had, and God used him and God used him. So even they'll say peace be unto him because they have a problem once again with saying that, that God, first of all, uh, I think they think it's filthy that God would be impregnating a woman. There's a lot of different ways they look at it. Oh, that God is too big. I've heard this argument from the Islamic side. God is too big and too mass and too major of an entity, too broad to be, um, I guess you could say, limited to be put into such a, a small frame of like a body. To say that is like blaspheme alone. That that God will come from the highest heavens and put himself into this tiny compact thing and be this lowly. You know, because they're trying to give respect to God in their eyes. Like that's, that's how they would say that that is blasphemy. So again... They throw it out. They throw the Messiah out completely as a bridge back to life. Because what are you saying? This is blasphemy to God and women with sex. But let me tell you this. As I told you all in a previous episode. It wasn't. It, it, before I say that. It was. It could never have been a man. No man could have done what he did. We're going to talk about all of this. No mere mortal fallen man could have did it. I don't even know that first Adam would have been able to do it because somehow his wife got to him and he was able to bite. So temptation got him. And we talked about in that episode, he, 12 hours in the garden. Satan managed to get them to fall on the same day that they was created. By the 12th hour, they were locked out. So again, the miraculous birth 
um, basically is uh, verified by the statement that she was a virgin when she gave birth to Christ, which is mentioned in Matthew chapter 1, verses 23 to 25. So because of his virgin birth, you, we have to understand that the Messiah had the human nature of his mother um, and the sinless divine nature of his father, something that was needed. Ain't no way. So let's go back to Abraham real quick before. I didn't even, I don't even think I made the other point I wanted to make before. doesn't matter. Let's go back to Abraham for a second. Abraham was asked to um, sacrifice Isaac. God already knew from the time that he cast the devil down that things and then by the time Adam fell it was going to be a redemptive plan. Israel was already in the plan before that. It was already an idea to make a people unto him. You see all it's like the angels. Not to say that everybody have to do what he tells them to do, but there was always, you know, this uh thing to make a people. So, um long story short, Abraham was asked to sacrifice his son to come out of the land of Ur, Babylonian Ur, where Nimrod was king. This is post-flood, but Nimrod is still king. People are still living a long time around this age. Nobody's really dying like short, short lives yet. And uh, Nimrod was born post-flood, but still with those genes. So he's still there. Long story short, I'm Abraham proved him. Remember I said God wants you to know him. So Abraham took the time to test the gods. It literally said that... um. I think in Sumeria and in Sumeria and Mesopotamia, which was the Fertile Crescent, which was Babylonia, where they had Ur, Dok, and Ur. There's a lot of different names for it, but it's what they call the Fertile Crescent, Mesopotamia. It said that they are the um, originators of the number 60 because they were going by the, their gods. They were very, um, they were, um, they believed in many gods. So um, 60 became one of the numbers that they used, which is why we have 60 minutes. 60 seconds like a lot of the stuff that they did with the math and stuff they still use to this day so i'm not saying that that's prominent but it just goes to show you just how much like they spread everything abroad anyway come up out of here and go and sacrifice your child um and abraham did as he was told even though in the book of jasher it says that he was very confident that um everything was okay sarah was not though sarah was um they didn't even tell sarah because they didn't know how sarah was going to handle it because her faith was not as strong as Abraham's. And remember, Isaac was her only son. Um, I'm saying that because the last trick the devil did, it says in the book of Jasher, to be cold was because Abraham was successful, because Abraham did not sacrifice his son and God gave him the ram in the bush. He didn't know what else to do because he was so infuriated that he manifested himself. Remember, he was shape-shifting a lot in, in during this time trying to appear as different people and things trying to deter Abraham and Isaac from going to do this uh, very significant thing that was going to lead to a covenant that was going to lead to eventually to the Messiah coming. He pops up to Sarah in the form of somebody and he says, oh, your son is dead. He said, yeah, your, your husband went to go sacrifice him and he's dead. Literally says that to her. And she uh, it says she literally had a heart attack and gave up the ghost right there. Now, when you go to the book of Genesis, it'll say that as soon as they came back down off the mountain, all happy and successful, like, yes, God has a ram and getting, you know, I didn't have to sacrifice you. I told you God uh, is able, whatever the situation is. There was a ram in the bush, and they came back home to go see Sarah because, again, they didn't tell her that. They didn't They didn't even want her to try to stop them because, you know, what kind of mother she didn't, she wasn't going to understand. They came home, and they found out that she passed away. So that's why in Genesis, you're going to see that it says that after they came back, that Sarah passed away immediately, like, into the next chapter, like, and Sarah died. Like, they never say how Sarah died, but that's how Sarah died. According to the book of Jasher, the ancient book of Jasher, that was in the Bible, referenced in the Bible, and then taken down. So, um, again, the virgin birth, um, those who deny the virgin birth tend to also deny the deity and also going to eventually question the integrity of the scriptures. Eventually, you're going to throw the baby out with the bath water, okay? And I think uh, that the devil is basically doing a great job with that because um, we're going into an age where the, the, the godly is going to be the voice they don't want to hear. You know, the godly is now the voice of reason is now turning into the voice of hate, you know, to talk reason, to talk uh, righteousness, to talk um, morals now is 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 not considered hate. Soon they're going to call it hate speech and they're going to call it hate crime, especially in the new age to come. 
but we're not going to keep talking about that. I'm just, but it's true, though. They don't believe. How the heck they didn't believe me? They didn't believe at the time that Mary was this. You was as you was. No. Something was. Even the angel had to go up here to Joseph and said, don't worry, all will be well. Because he was like, it just looks so bad, Lord. What am I going to do now? <laughs> and I love the girl, too. <laughs> and she done been touched. You defiled. Mary had it. Mary had it. Mary didn't have it that, you know. She had a rough pregnancy. I know she knew it was going to happen. Could you imagine even knowing? I mean, her faith had to be strong, knowing that you're going to give birth to a child that's destined to die, to, to become the savior of mankind. My goodness. Not only that, everybody looking at you crazy, because who's going to believe this? Of course it's, it's not. It, this is... Come on. Oh, but the same way the angels... Uh, this is the point I wanted to make. I said I forgot before. In Genesis 6, it says very clearly, they came down and what they did was create a bloodline or a hybrid race um, that was of abomination. They're, they're demigods, and the demigod that they were produced to create the, the Antichrist, because the Antichrist is going to have to be the same thing the Messiah was, a demigod, a human, half-human, half-immortal um, being or an immortal uh, spirit placed on... A human figure, a leader, to carry it out. That's his way of mimicking what the Messiah was, except for the way they did it as an abomination because no angelic being is supposed to ever come down and lay with mortal women. That was no. That's why their children are earthbound because they're from earth. They were born. They not, them children was not made from Shekinah. Them children was made from the earth. And what I mean from that is not like how Adam was. Adam was made from the earth and, and the soul was breathed into him. God breathed his natural essence into him. Them things wasn't breathing natural. Them things is abomination. <clears throat> Walking around. But the same way they came down here and made that, the way they did it was never supposed to be. And if it, if God was needing, God would have never even needed to place the Messiah again, a sin, sinless, sinless. He had to be born of, not of sin. He would never been able, he wouldn't even have to do that was not for the devil causing this fall. All of this was to come and bring redemption. And the thing that goes back to Abraham is this, the same way the Messiah, the, the Lord said, you know what? No, I have a plan. I never wanted you to sacrifice Isaac. There's a ram in the bush. Go get that and sacrifice it to me again. And I'll, you know, get the savory smell and, and stuff from that. It's the same way the Messiah, I mean, God had a plan from there at the time. I'm going to send my son, and I'm going to send my son down, and I'm going to sacrifice my son. Because before that, God, what what, after, what offer of man of, or, or child did God ever need? He never needed that. But because he knew what plan he was going to have to do the same way that Isaac would have trusted him to do it, even though he knew, you know, he trusted God and knew his heart, but he also knew that I'm going to do it because I trust God. God said, ain't no way. But I know I have to send my son down. So it was not, it's not even so much of a slap in the face like give me your son. Because at the end of the day, God sent his first creation all the way down here to be, forget, it, that was, I mean, we could talk about the passion, you know, I think that was overkill. But it was something like that. There was a lot of blood. There was a, it was very, very brutal. I couldn't even imagine. I think if I seen it right now, I'd just boil out and cry because it just was a lot. People just think that they just came and it was uh, quick and easy and, and it was, no, it was, it was, a, it was, um, and the whole time you could have cried out. The whole time you could have just got everybody or just said, forget all this. They're not even deserving. You tell my father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And they sure didn't. And also had to come to pass. Yes, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to take a break. I'm going to come back and start reading. I'm going to John, John 15. Okay, we're back from break. I think before I said I was going to go to John 15, not just yet. I'm going to go to 1 John chapter 4, starting at verse 1, where it says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist. Now, again, the spirit of the Antichrist, not the Antichrist, the spirit of the Antichrist. Where ye have heard that it should come, and even now is already in the world. 
ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God, he that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. One second, yeah. Well, something else I wanted to read. Yes, I'm sorry. There's all these side notes here. Then he goes on to say here, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation, um, propitiation, it says, is literally, um, oops, is the anointing sacrifice. So basically, Jesus bore uh, his body as the punishment due for our sin. And in doing so, he atoned sacrifice because propitiation is atoning sacrifice so he propitiated god satisfying god's um demand that sin be punished and the remission uh, i think the the shedding of sin is the remission the shedding of blood <laughs> excuse me the shedding of blood is a remission of sin which is exactly why beforehand the priest used to have to go on the day of atonement you know make sacrifice and do everything on the mercy seat and all of that stopped when the messiah came and gave up the ghosts the veil of the temple was rent, and no, but they didn't have to do that anymore. And believe you me, it was a lot of sacrificing going on in the temple to make up atonement. Okay, not just uh, on the day of atonement, but every single time that man sinned. I can even imagine, especially as believers, every time you had to turn around and could. And you know, sacrificing was hard. Sacrificing, <laughs> you, some would say it was easy, but you, it couldn't have been sick. You couldn't, you couldn't have been a sick chicken. You know, you, you couldn't have been, you might have needed two does. You better not have been poor. You better have some money in there. You, you know, it, <laughs> it had to be right. It might need to be a female. It might need to be young or old, that kind of thing. Maybe everybody just had a farm. I know they did and they just had it. But um, if you got to sell some of these chickens and eggs and, and, and these, some of these uh, uh, donkeys and cattle and, you know, goat and stuff <laughs> for income to survive, I couldn't imagine having to, you know, constantly sacrifice my food, daily bread, and things I'm going to have to sell in order to make income, you know, to survive for my sins. I couldn't even imagine just, oh, Lord, I done messed up again. It was like every day because I did something. Oh, my God, that's a lot. That's a lot. I mean, that's just a small, that's just a small um, example of what he did. And, of course, the temple got sacked. So after the temple, there was no um, sacrificing. Okay, now I'm going to go to John 15. I'm going to do parables soon. In the, pre the next episode won't be now because I want to break those down. And I always remember, listen, if this helps somebody who's maybe a beginner, sometimes when you're trying to find, like, because the Bible's so vast, and then like I like I love Proverbs and I love the Psalms because it's like wisdom. But then sometimes you really want to know what to do, and you know the book has a whole bunch of moral examples of what to do and what not to do. But I always tell people follow the words of red. So sometimes just go, especially the Book of Luke. Um, they all have parables, but I believe the Book of Luke and John probably have the most read. But I think it's the the Book of Luke. Anytime you find the words of the Messiah talking, read it. Because he literally talks in parable, he really talks in the cold. He's always giving you, um, I guess you could say, thought, thought process. Like people say, what would Jesus do? Or what would the Messiah do? That's what I used to like to do. I used to like to keep a lot of his sayings um, in my heart. 
Okay, here we go. Chapter 15. It says the vine and the branches. I always love this one. One accord. This is what when you be in church and you talk about being on one accord. It's all opposed to be on one accord. The God, um, the Messiah, uh, the church, all supposed to be all on one accord. It says, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into fire and they are burned. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. As the father had loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my father's commandment and abide in his love. I am a living, walking example of how to be. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be fulfilled. This is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Ye have chosen, ye have not chosen me. But I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command to you that ye love one another. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they had persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. They, their heart is not of God. Their hearts are hardened. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had, they had, not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. See? It's all together because it's a vine. It's a branch. It all go together. Same way if you don't believe on the Holy Ghost and the virgin birth, then you take away the the uh, prophetic aspect of his messiahship. Oh, no. Then you just um, read the scripture now is now being scrutinized and you're going to throw it all away. How? It says, if I... He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. And not only then at the time, but even worse more so today. Okay. But this cometh to pass. It cometh to pass. See, it says, so the word might be fulfilled. That is written in their law. They hated me without cause. But when the comforter is come, when, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. 
and ye shall also bear witness because ye have been with me from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And that's it. That's the 15th. Yeah. The Holy Spirit. So it says the Comforter. Uh, it was like the Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Like the Son of God is from God. The Son is generated or begotten, whereas the Holy Spirit proceeds from God. So it says, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. Yes, absolutely is. Oh, when Jesus prays for his own in chapter 17, we're going to go through... All of this, although I'm not going to read all of that now. Talk about the last Adam. I think I stopped playing because we were running out of time. You know, let, let me read something. Let me see if I can find it. As a matter of fact, if I'm, if I'm talking to you, I'll give you all a perfect example of this. If I could find it. I'm going to take a quick break and come back. Love you guys. Stay blessed. Keep reading. Keep believing. And I'll see you all next time here on Who's on the Lord's Side. Okay, back from break. And I'm in Luke chapter 16, verse 19, where we're going to talk about the rich man and Lazarus. And we're not talking about Lazarus, the Messiah's friend who passed away, who he raised from the dead. Again, symbolizing the resurrection, the power of the resurrection. So that's your... There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, okay? So there was a rich man who was clothed in purple, fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. So it's one guy. And then there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and designed to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth of Abraham afar off in Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. So again, rich man, you got Lazarus, who uh, was poor and a beggar and also full of swords. All he ever wanted was to be fed from the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. And also the dogs came over and licked on his sores. So one day the beggar died and he was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. This is in the earth. Um, you could even call it Sheol, but it'll be a realm technically where it's comfort. It's not hell. It's Abraham's bosom would be like a fake paradise or some kind of resting place where there is a peace. So it says the angels went into Abraham's bosom, uh, carried him into Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died and was buried. Now in hell, this is the rich man. The rich man is in hell, or I think like real, real Sheol, Sheol or hail and lifted his eyes up being in torments and seeing abraham afar off meaning he's in one part of this realm they're both deceased abraham is deceased i'm saying abraham is deceased he's been deceased for a while okay so this is a holding place of the dead and you have uh, lazarus the beggar who was deceased but was carried off to the angels okay and then you have the rich man who died in, in hell but can look out and see okay there's something very similar that i said about the missing 70 verses of ezra that was taken out of what happens to you pass away. And he can cry out, though. And he says to Abraham, um, have mercy on me, Father Abraham, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. Okay. 
And it said, and besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee thereafter. This is the rich man burning in hell, looking up at Abraham and, and, and Lazarus and Abraham's bosom. And he says, um, I pray thee, therefore, father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. Can you at least send Lazarus to my father's house? Then are you ain't going to send Lazarus down here to cool my tongue with a tip of water? My fate's already sealed. Clearly, I don't have a bridge back right now. Because remember, the Messiah didn't do anything. The Messiah didn't pass yet. Um, I mean, conquered death yet and go down to Sheol three days preaching before he, he rebuilt up his temple, the body, and, and, and produced it amongst men again with the wounds. So this is all before that. There's no... Okay, so it says here, can you uh, uh, send him, therefore, to my father's house? For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. And Abraham said unto him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. Meaning, what's done is done. What's done is done. Moses and the prophets done and dropped the law. They did have dropped the law, though. And you have the Messiah done come down. At this point with mankind, it really comes down to what you believe and you really got to tap into your faith. Some people have hardened hearts, though. Some people ain't never going to see, no matter how hard you try to make them see. Some people just have a hardened heart or what they call stiff-necked people. For whatever reason, it could be a generational bloodline thing. Children of Cain thing. We don't know. It's a lot of sea line running around. So that's why they talk about the... um. The, the wheat and the tares. The wheat and the tares ain't all about, oh, good people is, is was here and then all of a sudden bad people got sold in. No, that's about um regular people, born of God, godly people that come straight from God. And then in, in the night, somebody, Lucifer, came in with this one third and started sowing seed all over the garden. And now you just got to let them grow together, like I said, until the end. So, um, but the point is, there was nothing else to say other than, the, you know, at that point, you, like they said, work while it's day. That's what they used to say back in the day in Psalms and Proverbs. Work while it's day, you know, when man can see and whatever, because night cometh, or basically when the soul separates from the body, there's nothing else that you can do. You know, even now, as believers, we're supposed to be making petition and praying for people that ain't doing us right, or we don't feel, you know, the enemy, like they say. Because in a way, prayer is not in a way prayer is powerful, and prayer keeps things. But as far as that person's own personal salvation, I don't know. You know, you got to work. I don't even know the house of Noah and Shem and them, and some of the righteous, they really had to know their stuff. They was a studied people. They was a learned people. I'm not saying that we need to know as much because like I said, they don't sacrifice as much. They don't, you know, but eating clean food or whatever or doing holidays, those are pluses if you want to do that just to, I guess, have a relationship with God. That's what I want to do. I know I cut pork out of my diet a long time ago and certain meats and things of that nature. A long time ago. It hasn't affected me at all. Um, at first, maybe, but those those are things that I want to do just to have better relationship and just more spiritually be connected to God. So on your walk, you'll do different things. But back then, they had to be a studied and learned people. There was a lot to know. Then they had to judge the people. It wasn't enough to just know the book. You had to go out there and actually rule over your own, you know, and and, and judge them. Unless you had kings. So, um, I don't know. Unless somebody just believes with all their heart. And I'm not saying it's impossible. Somebody could just hear the message one day in the church and just say, I'm sold out for Jesus and I believe. <laughs> That's not impossible. That's, that has happened as well. But um, for the most part, there's a lot of people just throwing it all out. But it's so important. And everybody have to decide. Everybody have to decide. Now, I wanted to go to Jude because this all goes back to these, the form. Hmm. I like what he says here in Jude chapter 4. And it says here. Yeah, I'll start at 4. Jude, Jude chapter 1 verse 4. It says, For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lavishness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. It says in verse 5, 
5. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. That was a wow. You know, I'm going to do a whole, I'm going to do a whole episode because, you know, I love me some Moses. Then the whole, uh, who's on the Lord's side because of them stiff neck. That generation that came out the wilderness, they didn't even see the promise then because all they did was whine and complain. And after all, they had seen the parting of the Red Sea, the plagues, and all of this. Even Moses smiting the rock. Them people were such a headache that even Moses lost the, 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 the ability to cross into the promise then because he got so frustrated with the people. And the way he did it, it was the way he smit the rock. I think it was the first time it was the one way, and the, the second time he did it, did another way because it was frustrated with the people. Got the man lost off track. That entire generation just didn't go. They just didn't even 40 years wandering for nothing, but not really for nothing because their generation crossed over. But yes, Jude, thank you for that reminder. And I'm going to do a whole episode on those people because that's the people of today. I didn't even see, I knew what's scary is these people saw it with their own eyes and still had the nerve. Had manna coming down from heaven, quail, or whatever kind of poultry it was I was running through the forest for them to eat. What more could you want? Had a cloud of, what was that at night? It was a cloud of fire just to guide their way. You were crying out loud. Every time them people came for you in the wilderness, the Lord spared you, the um, Amalekites and all of these. And here we are on this day, God won't even send us no real sign. It ain't going to be no sign, but whatever the Messiah said at the end time, you know, and, and, and with God's child, I don't know. Too much people done live. Too much people don't wrote. Too much people, I don't know what else it is. It's for people. You have to decide within yourselves. Here you go saying, though, yeah, that the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt after or destroyed them that believe not. And six, this is what I really wanted to get to. It says, and the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitations. He hath reserved an everlasting change under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Then he went on to Sodom and Gomorrah and a couple other people. He gave us a list of racing people who didn't believe, a small list, okay? But again, it says here specifically in chapter 6. Now, it says here in my study Bible in the notes for, for Jude chapter 1 verse 6 where it says in the angels which kept not their first estate the ones that left the one that get bold they want to get cocky so even in our own biblical sense there is an account as far as jewish uh biblical antiquity even at the time of jew there was an understanding that angels did not keep their first estate they left their own habitations and god has reserved an everlasting change and darkness uh, for the judgment of the great day but here in my notes it says for this specific verse to go to Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. And we already know Genesis chapter 6 start off with what? The uh, the mentioning of fallen angels sleeping with mortal women. Okay? That's it. Coming down here sleeping with mortal women. I'm going to go back and read this because I'm sick and tired of... It's very clear what's going on. Then they hear, then they go find stuff on the internet talking about Nibiru and Planet X. They read it for five minutes and all of a sudden it's real. It's okay. But then this stuff got on centuries and prophets and stuff and you still don't know. You'd have to really read to know though. That's why you just hidden. It is somewhat hidden. Even if it's in a parable, you'd have to ask more questions. You'd have to seek more. You'd have to, just like the disciples did when they was around the Messiah. Boy, I wish I could have been there. Can we talk all night, Lord? I want to give me another parable. Let me see if I can solve this one. Genesis chapter 6. It says, The wickedness of mankind. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives, all of which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always thrive with man, for that he also is flesh, and yet his day will be 120. This when he started to decide to shorten the length of man's life. Not six, Well, it was a thousand with Adam. Eventually, you got down, maybe six. You don't have to, you don't have to live a thousand years. But it was going up to six three hundred for especially the first uh, pre-flood humans, okay? Pre-Diluvian humans was living a very long time. 
And so it says, God said, I'm going to shorten their years down to about 120. And these year, these days, your men are lucky if they even get 100 straight. So it says here, there were giants in the earth. Very clear. There were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God, they stressed it again, came in unto the daughters of men and they bare children unto them. The same became, became mighty men, which were of old and the men of renown, which literally means these Greek legends were not just legends. These were the, the, the children of the mortal women and the fallen angels. That first Nephilim hybrid race was, you know, them. Including the fact that Zeus was literally, literally the fallen angel, Lucifer, who just transformed himself into that. And the funny thing about these um, Greek gods is that they all sat up high on Mount Olympus. And every now and again, they would swoop down, too, and grab a mortal woman. And they would make babies with them, too, and create demigods out of them as well, which created more um, Greek legend. Now, legend is truth. It's truth. I say it all the time. You know, when, you, when you're looking at stuff, when I'm back, back, back in the day, I used to sit there and watch the History Channel. I used to sit there and see the Stonehenge. I'd be like, oh, my goodness. These rocks don't even come from this part of the land. They come from over, like, seven rivers over here in this part of the country. And, of course, there, there was no technology to do that. And then when you found out about giants, you was like, well, that was nothing but some giants playing some dominoes or something. And just took some dominoes over there and just started stacking them up. Might have been a little baby giant. Just went over there and sat down and just started stacking stones and then just left. It's the same way you all know flat earth say these mountains ain't really supposed to be mountains. These mountains are supposed to be fossils of the giants, of fossils of a lot of the giants that just lay down, fell asleep, and over time uh, he got crusted. There's even some, there's some, there's some sayings, there's not in no Jewish text that rubies and diamonds and stuff like that is really just crystals or fossilized fluids and stuff from inside because you find them in mines and you find them in caves. Yeah, it's very true. It's just like flat earth says, these trees are not trees. These, these, these are just shrubs compared to how high the real, a real tree was, how it touched the heaven, probably to as high as the, the top of the firmament of the glass dome. This is nothing. You ain't see anything. This is a very fallen condition um, of a flat earth. That's why some of these mountains, if you look at, look at, um, I think you say no mountains or something about mountains on flat earth or something like that. Some of them look like elephants, large mammoths. I think Moana tried to give that kind of concept in a Disney movie. Like, some some, some do. I don't want to say Gnosticism or some, but there are some beliefs that's like, you know, yeah, some of them are. But ain't all of them are big. It wasn't like there was caskets that big and they just started digging in the ground and burying them all. And then, of course, you have archaeologists who actually have found bones of um, pre-human, like, with elongated skulls, um, super tall, gigantic race of people. And if that wasn't enough for anybody to believe it, you could just go through Guinness or, or just look at the history of giants throughout history. You'll find black and white people's, uh, black and white pictures of giants that lived in every continent of the world up until modern day today. And they're literally as high as some, some of them 15, some more feet. And believe it or not, those giants of today is nothing, meaning in height is nothing. It would be like almost a midget in giant world compared to the, the tallest giant could have been. Okay? So, yeah, we don't know. So, I just wanted to go back to just say that as far as... Um, and again, those those spirits are all earthborn because they would never... They would never be received into heaven. God was very clear. That's why Satan's upset. He can't go back into. So, yeah, it looks like I'm going to wrap it up for today here. Although there is a lot more that I wanted to read, but I already... I can tell I'm just going to be coming back here to do a part two. So on that note, I hope I help someone.